evening, everyone. Thank you, Rosie. Um, I'm going to start with a little bit of a confession because um, I never planned to write a cookbook. Um, I'm not a cook as such. Um, I do cook, um, but uh, my plan was actually to write an entirely different book. I'd been commissioned to write a follow-up to A Year of Living Simply, which came out at the beginning of, of 2020. And um, as we all know, I think plans uh, sometimes go awry. And in the last couple of years, many of our plans haven't quite panned out the way we expected them to. Um, and so what I did plan, the book I was hoping to write, um, it became obvious I wasn't going to be able to do it. I wasn't going to be able to research it. I wasn't be able to go to. It wasn't going to be able to to travel to do it. Um, and as Rosie sort of alluded to there, um, the idea of doing a cookbook um, wasn't strictly mine. It did come as a result of doing this series called Escape to the Farm and. That series in itself was was a sort of response to lockdown. Um, people were at home; um, they wanted to watch television. Um, but ironically, at a time when broadcasters should have been absolutely thrilled and their viewing figures should have been going through the roof, um, they couldn't make television uh, because, of course, we were all locked down and we couldn't be together. Um, except that, uh, rather conveniently, I, I married a director who uh, can also operate a camera. And this came to the attention of the head of Channel 5. And he said, "And don't you live on a farm? And we said, yes. And the great thing about being on a farm, uh, lockdown or no, is that life carries on as normal. Animals give birth, they, they get ill, they behave badly, uh, they have sex. Um, it's basically the stuff of a soap opera. And so really we had a ready-made television series literally on our doorstep. Um, but the curveball that was thrown at me, which I hadn't expected at all, was, oh, and by the way, could you do um, some cooking on this programme? And, and I thought, well, you don't even know whether I... I do cook um, and I do cook after a fashion, but I think I cook in a way uh, that uh, somebody of my generation and also the way that I brought up uh, I was brought up cooks. So I grew up in rural Berkshire um, and I was, you know, growing up in the 70s. And um, when you grew up then uh, and in that sort of uh, part of the country, um, you basically had to cook or your mum had to cook. Uh, otherwise, you weren't very hungry indeed. There weren't restaurants around the corner. There weren't takeaways. And also there wasn't really that sort of culture of food then. You know, it was, I don't think I went to a restaurant until I was about 15. You ate at home and you ate food that, you know, your, your mum or your dad or you prepared. And so I grew up really um, eating things like shepherd's pie and apple crumble, very kind of, I suppose, simple, homey, um, delicious, but unfancy food. It's sort of, it's hard to think of this now, but you know, all the ingredients that seem to pepper cookbooks and, 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 and uh, menus these days, and people even feed their children things like avocados and sweet potatoes, you know, we'd never heard of, I don't think I ate an avocado until I was 20. Um, but I, I loved the food that I grew up with. And, um, and I, I suppose that has always been my, um, my inspiration in the kitchen has been that food, that very simple food. 
And the other thing about growing up then and eating the way that we did as a family was that we ate much more seasonally. Um, I don't think maybe supermarkets just didn't fly food around the world in the same way that they do now. Um, so no one thought of eating strawberries in February. You know, you ate strawberries in the summer and they were a treat. Um, so when it came to thinking about food for the television, I thought, well, I can't suddenly become a gourmet overnight. Um, I'm going to just have to cook the food that I cook. And some of you may remember the, um, the sourdough um, saga that went on over lockdown. Everyone in the world was making sourdough um, and, you know, and then posting these slightly smug, it has to be said, slightly smug photos on social media going, look at my perfect loaf, you know, with its, its sort of whirls from its lovely wicker basket that had been proved in. Um, and I have to say, I got, I got sort of caught up in, the, in this sort of enthusiasm for sourdough and desperately tried to make it total failure every time. I killed every sourdough starter that anybody gave me. I even sent away for one, uh, one that was supposed to be foolproof. Wasn't foolproof as far as this fool is concerned. So I totally failed on sourdough, just made cow pats. Um, and then a friend of mine said, well, stop trying, make soda bread instead. And she gave me, so this is, this is the book. I'm gonna hold it up and set holding it up there. She gave me this recipe. And um, she is a wonderful woman called Jennifer and her mum is Danish and her dad was Cuban. So she makes the most delicious uh, kind of um, mixed influenced food. Um, but baking is really her thing. And you're going to see all my notes now. But uh, this recipe here is uh, a soda bread for winter. And um, soda bread was a revelation to me. It is so fantastically easy. Doesn't involve any complicated yeast, doesn't involve having to sit overnight, no wicker baskets needed. You literally just mix the ingredients. That bicarbonate of soda is the magic thing that makes it, you know, rise and into bread. And you put it in the oven. I mean, literally from start to end, you're probably talking about an hour and you have this beautiful bread. So that was the very first thing that I cooked on the TV series. And when it went out, people's response was kind of extraordinary. They were like, oh my goodness, you know, we've made your bread and it's really easy. And I'm like, I know. Um, and all the recipes that I cooked on the series are, they, I mean, they were just very, very simple things and, um, and very seasonal because that just seemed to be, that just seemed to be what, I suppose what I what I believe in and 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 as I say the most sort of authentic way that I felt comfortable about cooking on the telly um so another recipe I did um was was this one uh, which is very pertinent for now actually um it was a uh, chicken with wild garlic and everybody loves a forage I think you know I mean who's going to turn down the opportunity of free food and there is again I think people during lockdown were walking and also they were bored of their own recipes we all got bored of our own food and we were desperate for kind of inspiration and I think the combination of being able to go outside uh to to really enjoy spring and its bounce 
County um, was, uh, was something that sparked the audience's imagination. Um, and this recipe, uh, which is spring chicken with wild garlic, you could cook this now, there it is. Uh, the wild garlic is um, just starting to appear in our woodlands now. And again, that was something that um, really seemed to, to capture people's imaginations. So I thought, you know, I, I got this great response for the recipes. And so I said to my lovely publisher, um, should I be thinking about doing a cookbook, given that I can't do the other book that I promised you? And she said, absolutely not. You should not do a cookbook. It is a completely overcrowded market and you're not known for food. And I thought, well, yeah, that's totally fair enough. She said, however, I have got a meeting with my sales team um, in a couple of days. So if you can get me 80 to 100 recipes and a kind of idea of how the book would be uh, in a couple of days, then um, I'll take it to them and we'll see what they do. Um, and I suppose I like a challenge. And I love, I love cookbooks. I love cookbooks that, um, that include a story, things like, you know, Nigel Slater writes so beautifully, his kitchen diaries are wonderful just to sort of sit and read. Um, Elizabeth Luard is another one. So I thought I would try and put together an idea of a sort of storybook with recipes. And amazingly, amazingly, her, um, her sales team said, okay, we want this book. Um, I then had two months to write it because I had no idea about this, having never done what's called an illustrated book before, that uh, there's a very long lead up time. <laughs> um, so I had two chaotic months. I think I almost got divorced every day. Um, and as well as, because as well as writing recipes and writing the book, you also then have to think about photographs. And uh, I was given a number of phot photographers that um, uh, were deemed sort of suitable for this type of book. And um, I chose a, a photographer called Andrew Montgomery. Um, and the first day I met him, he came to the farm. The first day I met him, I really wish I hadn't chosen him because um, we were in the middle of lambing. I looked like death for a start because I'd been up all night and um, and he uh, came in and went oh great you know it'd be lovely to get some photos of ewes and lambs together and everything I think it would look really nice in the book and um, I had just spent about two hours trying to pen up a ewe she was a first-time mum she just had her lamb um, she didn't want to know anything about the lamb so she was on one side of the shed I'm with the lamb trying desperately to get them penned up together so they could start bonding. And as I say, it took me about two hours to catch her. Um, when I finally did and got her in a pen, um, Andrew was like, perfect. I'm good. That's, that's, the, that's the shot. That's, the, uh, that's the, um, the, the sheep I want to photograph. And he opened the pen and, and the ewe just shot out, at which point I swore at him and said, I wish I'd never met you. Um, however, he did get the shot in the end. Here she is uh, looking very content. And he also got some other really, really beautiful photographs. And um, it gave me a tremendous insight into, uh, into the real skill that goes into sort of food photography and also the whole design of a cookbook. Um, you know, a cookbook, it does almost need to be edible. and. And that was something that I realized, you know, all the books that I've written in the past 
have been non-fiction books and it's quite a lonely business writing um particularly for somebody like me i get very absorbed in in the books that i'm writing and i i, I become completely impossible to live with and actually have to sort of take myself away about a month before deadline and remove myself from polite society um so this was a real lesson in collaboration and it is the whole book really is a collaboration it's uh, a celebration of the food that I grew up with, um, the food that my friends cook, um, the food that I've loved over the years. It is, in essence, um, a posh version of the folder that I think we all have in our kitchens, um, the bits of recipes that we've torn out of magazines, the things that we've jotted down from our mums or our friends. Um, and although I, had spent many, many a day wishing I hadn't suggested to my publisher that I write this book. Um, actually, I'm really pleased that I have because I now have the poshest kitchen folder in the world, thanks to a great team of people. And that is my cookery timer. <laughs> there we are. <laughs>